listening to Lead Defend, the podcast designed to help you grow in faith and leadership as you navigate the stages of your young adulthood. We address important faith topics and provide practical life tips, helping you build your faith as you engage in a changing culture. Here are your hosts, Seth Tucker and Ryan Scantling. Hey folks, so excited to be here with you. I'm Ryan, this is Seth. We're here with Frank Turek today. And Frank's speaking at Lead Defend Conference. We will actually link his messages in the show notes so that you can listen to that there. Frank, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my mom says I'm one of the best apologists in the world. Oh, my mom. Seth's mom listens to this podcast. She's one of our like five listeners. Is she? Yes. All right. My mom is not as committed yet, but uh, my mom's always telling the truth, right? That's true. That's it. It's got to be true. Funny story. His wife, actually listened to the wrong podcast for about what a couple months and yes thought she, was listening and she, to she us. thought she was listening to our podcast but <laughs> was she listening was, to the wrong she thing. was surprised how good it was my wife tells me she said ron i would love to be your biggest fan but i think you already have that spot taken uh-huh. so uh, man she gives me a hard time you all mean the she time. did not recognize that that was not your voice uh, no how not at all be? how can that be well i think she had it turned down so low that she didn't have to listen uh, anyway okay so but uh-huh. we'll see uh-huh. and, and so Tell us about yourself, Frank. How long have you been doing apologist ministry? Well, I uh, came to faith in 1985 through apologetics. Went okay. to seminary for it beginning in 93. And uh, that's the year after I was born, 93. A year, year after. Wow. A year after. You're a youngster, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, I I started doing work with Dr. Norma Geiser, who was kind of the... Okay. And we would say today, maybe the Steph Curry of apologetics. I used to say the Michael Jordan of apologetics, but you guys don't even know who that is. Anyway, (laughs) the Steph Curry of apologetics. I watched the documentary on Michael Jordan. You did? Okay. The Last Dance? All right. But anyway, uh, I uh, started to do some work with him, and he and I wrote a couple of books. One's called Legislating Morality, and those called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And then in 2007, I started a ministry called CrossExamine.org, mainly to go to college campuses because three out of four kids who brought up in the church walk away from the church once they leave the home. Yeah. And the number one reason they do is intellectually they don't know why it's true. So mm. ever since then, we've been going to college campuses. We try and get to about 20 a year. We didn't get to any last, well, yeah. early in the year we did, but 2020 was a washout due to sure. COVID. And it's probably not going to come back until the fall of 2021, yep. you know, for this fall. So yeah. that's that's what we do. So Frank, as you're on college campuses, what are some of the most common questions you hear? 70% of the questions have to do with morality. Wow. Yeah, they're all moral questions because that's where kids live. You're going to get questions on LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. You're going to get questions on why did God kill the Canaanites? Uh, if God is good, why is there evil? Why is there suffering? Why did God create people you know would go to hell? Why? What about those that have never heard? These are all questions, by the way, that are all moral questions. Yep. Yeah. Every one of them is a moral question. Oh, I don't know if God is good because he's not doing things the way I think he should do them. Yeah. You know, that, that kind of thing. And they're good questions, don't get me wrong, but that's where kids are living now. And isn't it interesting, on one hand, as Alan Bloom said many years ago, he was a professor at the University of Chicago, I believe, he said, if there's one thing that you can count on about college kids today is that almost every one of them thinks morals are relative. Yeah. You know, it's just your morality. There's no the morality. Yet, on the other hand, they're going to be out there protesting that things are immoral. Mm, Right. They're going to have maybe their LGBTQ stuff that's going to say, hey, this is right that, you know, these people have certain rights. And of course, they're going to rightfully say that racism's wrong and they're going to, you know, the environment we got to wait, wait, whoa, 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 hold on. Why? 
where where do rights come from if if, if oh. there's no God? Yeah, what worldview yeah. are they coming from yeah. to have these morals? That's right. That they think that we are you know that are being you know broken or beaten down. Or that's whatnot. that's yeah. why I wrote a book called Stealing from God: Why yeah. Atheists Need God to Make Their Case. Because that's in it. order to say that there are rights out there, yeah. you mm -hmm. have to believe in God. Otherwise, everything's a matter of opinion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 let me say it another way: you don't have to believe in God. There just right. has to be a God. Yeah. In yes. order for there to be rights, because if 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 there are no rights, everything's a matter of opinion. You can't say Hitler was really wrong mm. because he's just another human being, and there's nobody above him or you. Wow. Now I, I found it interesting. You're saying that. Most of those questions are moralistic questions. Mm -hmm. So does that mean that students are now thinking more practically and less philosophically? Or are those moral questions also pretty philosophical questions? I don't know if I would say they're thinking philosophically or not. I don't know how much philosophy is being taught in these colleges. But I would say that they're having these questions because everyone has a moral sense. He's written yeah. it on our hearts. And these are good questions about that. Mm -hmm. And this is precisely the morality upon which our country was founded. We hold these truths to be self-evident, self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. This country began on the natural law, the moral law consistent with the Bible, consistent mm. with Christianity. But you don't need the Bible or Christianity to even know it. You don't, you don't need the Bible to know murdering people is wrong, yeah. right? You just intuitively know that. Uh, so they have this intuitive sense. And in our country, there's nothing more moral than equality. Mm. Of course, they pour a different meaning into equality sure. than what's really intended. It's not a quality of outcome. It is a quality of opportunity. Yeah. Uh, yet they try and say that we have to have a quality of outcome, which is impossible. You won't even have a quality of outcome in heaven, mm. right? Apostle right. Paul is going to have more rewards wow. than we are, right? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus is going to take that one talent from the guy who buried it and give it to yeah. the guy who has 10. Yeah. That's yeah. not equity. That's not equal outcome. That's justice. That's an incredible <laughs> point. Yeah. That's justice. That's it. So so we have a lot of, you're talking about the 70% number, three out of four uh, yeah. professing Christians in high school leave the faith mm -hmm. or at least take time away from the faith mm -hmm. in college from the church anyway. from the church yeah. anyways yeah uh so what are the things that we're failing to equip those students in before they get to that crossroads in their life well we, we're not giving them evidence we're sending them off to war without any ammunition mm -hmm. and without any armor because when they get to college as you guys well know it's one of the most anti-Christian environments in the entire country. And yep. in fact, it probably is the most mm -hmm. anti-Christian environment in the entire country. And so we need to send them in there with evidence that Christianity is true. And that's why we go to college campuses, to at mm. least give them a glimpse of the evidence. Sure. So we talk about truth existing, God existing, miracles are possible, and Jesus rose from the dead. If those four things are true, if truth exists, if God exists, if miracles are possible, and Jesus rose from yeah. the dead, game over. Christianity is true. Mm. So we focus in on those four points, and then we take questions. Yeah. So if there was something that a youth minister needs to talk about with his students, mm -hmm. or if these students that are listening to this podcast just want to begin to study on their own, those four things that you said are what again? Truth. Does truth exist? Mm -hmm. Of course it does. To say there's no truth right. is a truth claim. <laughs> there's no truth. Is that yeah. true? You know, <laughs> you know. Uh, it's self-defeating to say there isn't. Yeah. And then, of course, why would you go to college if there's no truth? What are you there yeah. to learn, right? <laughs> truth. <laughs> okay. Uh, does God exist? Yes. Because God has to exist for Christianity to be true, mm. yes. right? And are miracles possible? And of course, yeah. if God exists, miracles are possible, yep. right? Yes. Because he, if he, if he can 
create the universe out of nothing, which is the greatest miracle in the Bible. He can resurrect Jesus from the dead. He can intervene anytime he wants. And then did Jesus rise from the dead? Because if Jesus rose from the dead, Christianity is true. Why? Because if Jesus rose from the dead, he's God, and whatever God teaches is true. Jesus taught the entire Old Testament was the word of God, and he promised the New Testament. And I just have a personal policy. If somebody rises from the dead, I just trust whatever the guy says. Yep. So that's, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. yeah. So what I try and tell people is you don't have to know everything about everything. Major in the majors. Yeah. Major in those four issues. The first one's easy. Truth, of course. You know. The second one, does God exist? Three arguments we talk about. Cosmological, teleological, and moral. In other words, the universe had a beginning. It was designed, and life is designed as well. That's a teleological argument. And the moral argument, we just mentioned it, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. In order for anything to be right or wrong, God must exist. And we know things are right and other yes. things are wrong, so God must exist. Uh, and then miracles, and that's easy because if God created the universe out of nothing, which even the atheists are admitting that the universe was created, that it came into existence out of nothing. If he did yeah. that miracle, if he did Genesis 1-1, yeah. resurrection's easy. Now, yeah. obviously the atheists don't think Genesis 1-1 is true, but they're admitting the data for Genesis 1-1, mm. that the universe had a beginning. So, and then you get into the evidence for the resurrection, which I think is quite strong as well. So, so let's shift the conversation a little bit this way. Uh, we live in a world that, of course, you said is relativistic. Mm -hmm. um, folks are arguing for their different truths. Mm -hmm. So in this climate, the role of an apologist is the same in that many are professing and giving a defense for the faith. How, how can we train students? How can a student, college student now, give a defense for the faith when it seems that everyone is already inclined not to believe them. You mean in a class? In a class, in in their campus, in their conversations with well, people that they know. Actually, I think Greg Kokel's approach that he puts out in the book Tactics is the way to go. Mm. You don't want to make a positive case until you've already asked enough questions so the person you're talking to begins to doubt their own worldview. Mm -hmm. So you've probably heard the classic thing you know it's in god's not dead the movie and all this you know the professor's real angry and he goes after the christians in class okay it it didn't it doesn't really happen that way but sometimes professors are that way sure. right and if 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 they were to a professor were to say to you uh he figures out you're a christian he goes hey ryan you know um why don't you stand up and tell everybody why the bible's true why you think christianity's true as a student, you should never take that bait. Why? Mm. Because number one, you never approach a superior force with inferior weapons, right? He knows yeah. a lot more than you already. Number two, he controls the microphone. He can shut you down at any time. Yeah. Number three, you don't have enough time. Mm. The better approach is when the professor says something that you know is wrong, is you raise your hand and say, sir, you just said there is no truth. Can I ask you a question? Why do you think that's true? Mm. Or, yep. sir, you just said that the Bible can't be true because it's been changed throughout the centuries. First of all, what do you mean by it's been changed throughout the centuries? And number two, what evidence do you have for that position? Mm. Right? In other words, all you're doing is asking questions. Clarifying and, questions. Yeah, yeah. And, and now you're eliciting, eliciting responses from the professor. Okay? Now, the students, if the professor doesn't really answer the question well, are going to start going... You know, he really didn't answer that. Yeah. You know, that was a good question, Ryan. You know, Seth, you really, man. Now that now they're starting to doubt what he's saying. Mm -hmm. And maybe now offline, you know, outside of class, they may say, hey, well, how do, how do you know this stuff? And what do you know about it, right? So just pointing out the inconsistencies 
in the professor or in uh, another student who's not a Christian in their position by asking questions. What do you mean by that? How sure. you come to that conclusion? That's a good way of dealing yeah. with these issues because it's easy to ask questions. It's hard to answer them. Mm. Man, powerful word. Mm. Now, we live in a world where a lot of students, um, my generation, millennials and below, are incredibly willing to say, okay, Frank, you live with your truth. Mm -hmm. I'm going to live with my truth. Mm -hmm. And let's just walk separate directions. As a, a group of people who are called to take the good news of Jesus mm-hmm. to the entirety of the world, mm-hmm. how do we ever walk into a conversation with someone who's incredibly willing to just live with their truth and live it out uh, and make a convincing argument for, for Christ? Well, w- one question I ask people, and this happens on college campuses a lot, particularly when atheists are at the microphone and they're a little bit hostile during the q and I'll say, if Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? If they hesitate or say no, the problem's not in their head, the problem's in their heart. They don't want it to be true. And look, most people are not on a truth quest or on a happiness quest. And they're just going to believe whatever they think is going to make them happy. And when you're in college, what's going to make you happy? You get to do what you want to do. You get to sleep with whom you want to sleep with. You get to hang out with who you want to hang out with. You get to do what you want to do. Christianity is inconvenient when you're in college, Mm. right? You get to be with all the cool people who are protesting all the cool stuff, right? Nobody opposes you because it's politically incorrect to oppose you. You're really popular. Of course you're not going to want to be a Christian in college, but you're not on a truth quest. You're on a happiness quest. And the problem is you can make yourself happy over the short term doing a lot of fun but ultimately destructive things, yet over the long term it's a disaster. And when you get to be over 40 like I am, you realize that, right? So, So you're saying even the answer to a happiness quest is found in God. Sure, ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're always going to be sure. cheerful yeah. every day, yeah. right? There's a difference between joy and happiness. Mm. You're going to know you're going in the right direction even when you're suffering. Wow. Even when you're persecuted. Mm. Right. So, outline for our audience, maybe just, I know we've kind of been beating around on this idea the whole time, but why do they need to, to study apologetics? Well, number one, for their. Well, you could start at the beginning yeah. in the sense that it just makes sense that you ought to know what you believe and why you believe it. Mm. Why Christian? Why not? Why not Islam? Why not Hinduism? Why Before not Buddhism? Before it's for somebody else, it's for you. Yeah, yeah, it, it should, and it just makes sense for yeah. reason. Uh, secondly, the Bible commands it. It's not an option in the Bible. We should yeah. always have an answer for the hope that we have. We we should love yeah. the Lord your God with our heart, soul, strength, and mind. Said Jesus, mm-hmm. it's the greatest commandment. Uh, Paul said, I'm set in defense of the gospel. He said, we have to demolish arguments, take every thought captive to Christ. So uh, it's commanded. And thirdly, it's very practical because when people have questions, why should, why should I be a Christian? What evidence do you have for this? Right. It's just your thing or is it really true? So it's essential. And you're not going to get very far in evangelism today without apologetics, you know, if you 70, 80 years ago in America, you open up the Bible, people would go, Oh, the Bible. What does it say? Now they go, you bigot, <laughs> right? Yeah. Why do I need that? Yeah. yeah. By the way, when people call you names, ask the questions. What do you mean by bigotry? Yeah. What do you mean by bigot? Mm. Right? Because as soon as they try and define it, they're going to be in trouble. So don't let them, don't, don't allow them to get away with that and, and say, you know, why are you calling names? What evidence do you have for this position? Right? Anyway, Frank, what do you think for this generation rising up, Gen Z, who are now really in their first series of colleges, uh, what are the biggest struggles for their generation in faith? Oh, it's all moral. 
Okay. You know, it's all the restrictions that God puts on us sexually and yeah. is probably the biggest thing. In fact, when you look at all these so-called deconversions out there, do you notice a common thread through all of them? Hmm. What's the common thread through all these people who are saying they're progressive Christians now? Which, by the way, they're not yeah. progressive and they're it's not Christians. Ethic. It's totally. It's, it's all LGBTQ stuff. Mm. It's all, I get to do what I want to do when I want to do it. It's not theology. It's meology, mm. right? I want to do what I want to do. And so, so much for Jesus. And they're disagreeing with Jesus. So mm -hmm. the, the hardest thing in our culture is to be perceived as not being with the culture, mm. right? And, but we're not supposed to be with the culture. We're yeah. supposed to be with Jesus. 100%. <laughs> That's the whole point. Yep. Right. Oh, yeah. And if we're just giving into the culture, we're not being Christian. In fact, I like to give this illustration for these people who claim to be progressive Christians. Let's say we were all at the base of Mount Sinai when Moses comes down with the 10 commandments and Moses goes, Hey, look, here are the 10 commandments. And we look at him and we go, you know, we really don't like those 10. We have our own 10. Mm. Should we call ourselves followers of Yahweh? No, we're not no. followers of Yahweh. We're followers of ourselves. Yeah. That's what's going on in the so-called progressive Christianity movement. Yeah. They're not following Jesus and the apostles. They're following the culture. Or they're following themselves. So stop calling yourselves Christians because you're not. I tell you, one of the things is we live in an increasingly secular mm -hmm. post-Christian culture that I'm excited of is that there's no longer an inclination for a person who doesn't have legit faith in Christ to claim Christ. Right. I, it's still there maybe in, in the slightest of senses, but... In certain pockets of the country, but it's still... It, it, it's not going to yeah. be there long. Right, yeah. Um, because it doesn't help you win the mayoral mm -hmm. election anymore mm -hmm. to be a Christian. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I am excited that that for that, it means that Christians are taking stances that are strong and biblical. So Yeah, we have to do that. Uh, and, and we do it not just to demonstrate that we're Christians and not just to just to adhere to what Christ tells us to do, it's because we love people. Mm. Because we believe that what Christ has said and his apostles have said are what's best for everyone. And the way that you love people is you tell them the truth. Well, wow. You don't, you know, people think in today's culture that love means approval. No, it doesn't. Every parent knows that if you approve of everything your kid yeah. wants to do, you're not loving. Mm. Oh. You have to stand in the way of, of evil. If you don't stand in the way of evil, you're unloving. Yeah. Oh, those it, bad singers on American Idol, the first yeah. episode every year, they wish their parents would have told them the truth. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know? right. But instead, they yeah. were told what they wanted to hear. Yeah, it was Thomas Sowell who said this. <laughs> the great economist was like 90 years old now. He said... If you want to help yourself, you'll tell people what they want to hear. If you want to help them, you'll tell them what they need to hear. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's a powerful word. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, telling people what they need to hear is not popular. It doesn't make you nope. friends. Mm -mm. Um, long-term, it, it does. Not short-term. Yeah, term. that's true. Yeah. That is true. It, it earns mm -hmm. you respect long-term. Right, right, right. Um, and you explain why. Yeah. I really think, I think you're about to be hit by a bus, mm. right? If I, if I don't yell and say, get out of the way, I'm not loving. Yeah. Well, what's the most encouraging thing you've encountered on college campuses? Well, we, we get big audiences. Mm -hmm. People aren't at least interested yeah. in it. Yeah. Now, sometimes they're there to try, be to try and be naysayers, yeah, but sure. fine. Um, because everybody we, who gets up to the microphone, we treat with respect. And just about every question we get is on YouTube. Yeah. Well, it, all of them are on YouTube because we film everything and stream it. And then we cut up the questions and put them in shorter little mm -hmm. videos. So if they go to our cross-examine YouTube channel, they're going to see almost a thousand Q&A videos yeah. wow. that they can just see, okay, how do, you, how do you deal with this question in two minutes? That's, you know, one of the hardest things, of course, is 
not answering questions. The hardest thing is to answer them in two minutes, yeah. right? And make a point, which amuses me because sometimes I read the comments and goes, you know, he didn't say this or he didn't say, well, of course I didn't. <laughs> I had two, two minutes. minutes. There's a line of people behind this kid. I can't spend a half an hour on one question. So yeah. you go and read the comments of those YouTube oh, videos. Sometimes, oh, sometimes, yeah. Okay. Not all that, of them. But is yeah. that like a professor reading the rate my professor comments? Uh, it's <laughs> Actually, I learn more from the comments yeah. than I do from sometimes what I'm saying. I'm I'm reading yeah. it going, oh, that's a good point. Never thought of that. Wow. You know? Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's really good. P p people sometimes put real pithy good stuff in comments. Now, mm. sometimes it's absolute bilge. Yeah. Sure. You're going, I can't believe it. It's just a personal uh, attack. You know, you know we've you said know? on another episode that I, I think, at least in the Facebook forums, online forums, the one thing that you can always attack, just attack somebody's grammar. If you're that's wrong, it. it seems that people just attack grammar. Yeah. I've noticed that a lot more recently in Twitter. Like, oh, they make a great yeah. argument. I have nothing to say. You spelled don't wrong. Yeah, right. So, yeah. On Twitter. Yeah, well, you're leaving exactly. characters out anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's crazy. I never argue on Twitter. It's ridiculous. 240 characters. That's probably why. There's no reason to even try. Yep. And, and If you had one parting shot, parting mm -hmm. message to yeah. give to this generation of high school and college students, what would it be? I would say get prepared uh, when you're in high school and when you go to college because mm. you're going to need to be prepared. The easiest way to get picked off in a war is to not know you're in one. Wow. And you're in a war for the hearts and minds of young people. We all are. Uh, the world is not neutral. It's going to come after what you believe, and you better know why you believe it. And you better be, be, at least be able to defend it, at least in a rudimentary way, and ask questions of people who have counter perspectives. Because when somebody says something that you think is wrong, it is not your job to refute what they say. It's yep. that person's job to support what he or she says. Mm -hmm. That's why you ask questions like, what do you mean by that? And mm -hmm. how'd you come to that conclusion? Yeah. You know, what evidence do you have for that? Because before they're going to start to try and accept your worldview or even be open to the Christian worldview, they have to begin to doubt their worldview first. Yeah. Wow. And then don't forget to ask the question, if Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? Yeah. yeah. Because that reveals a lot. Most of the time the answer is no. Mm, and if sure. they say no, no. Well, Frank, just, thank I'll you. Just pray so, for you. That's thank it. you so much yeah, for right. joining us today. Yeah. And, and I tell you, if you want to learn more about Frank and his ministry, you can go to crossexamine. Crossexamine.org. Yeah. Crossexamine with a D on the end of it. Dot org. Yes. Yep. That's right. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. And remember to watch Frank's video linked at the bottom of this, uh, this article. So thank you guys. That's it for this episode of Lead Defend. Until next time, check out our website at leaddefend.org for details on the next Lead Defend conference or shoot Seth and Ryan an email at leaddefend at absc.org. If you want to help us out, rate and review Lead Defend on your podcast app and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening. Now go lead. A podcast from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention.